Okay, Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse number 1. I'm going to read all the way through verse 6. I want to pray and ask for God's blessing on the word of the Lord here this evening and on the offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you would bless the gift and the giver. We thank you again, Lord God. We can never stop thanking you for how good you are to us on a daily basis, Lord. And you have been so good to our church as a, as a body. You have blessed us and encouraged us and, and resourced us, Lord God. And we pray that you will continue to bless those that honor your instructions uh, to give of our tithes and offerings to support the church, Lord. And we pray right now for the reading of the word that you would bless and anoint it, Lord God. And again, I ask for your help in sharing your word here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Very good. Galatians chapter 5, brand new chapter, starting at verse number 1. The Bible says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, before we get into this section of Scripture, I wanted to quickly review what we went through last week because chapter 4, believe it or not, is a very challenging, very difficult section of Scripture. But if you can get a handle on it and if you can understand it even partially, it will be of tremendous benefit to you as a Christian man or woman. So in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 23, it says this, just to go over a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to move forward. Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 23, it says this, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. Again, this is speaking of Ishmael, who was born to Hagar. Hagar was a slave woman or a woman of bondage or a woman representing captivity. And then Isaac was born to Sarah, and she was a free woman or a woman that represents divine promise, a gift from the Lord, a promise of the Lord. And then a second section of scripture that I want to refer to just in review is in Galatians chapter 4, verses 28 through 31. It says this, now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now, but who, but what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. 
We've shared that Abraham, again, had two sons. His first son was Ishmael, and his mother's name was Hagar. His second son was Isaac, and his mother's name was Sarah. Both sons were circumcised, but the Holy Spirit is very clear in declaring that only one of these boys, only one son, uh, was of a son of promise, and the other one was born of the flesh, meaning that Ishmael was born out of disobedience or the will of man or because of a lack of faith, and Isaac was born as a result of the power and promise of God. And God is very clear that even though both sons were born to Abraham, only Isaac would inherit the promise or the blessing. Let's read again what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 30. It says this, But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son, Ishmael, son of Hagar, will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son, Isaac, son of Sarah. If you want, if you have a a Bible, a old school Bible like this, uh, I would encourage you on the margin of that Bible, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, I don't know if you can take notes on the Bible apps of your phone. I don't really understand how all that works. But if there's a way for you to take notes, and next to Galatians chapter 4, verse 30, this will help you in ministering to Muslims. Believe me, it'll be a, a tremendous help to you if you can grab a hold of this understanding. And gal- next to Galatians chapter 4, verse 30, in the margins of your Bible, write down, Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 through 22. We're going to read those in just a little bit. And also Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. Those are two critical sections of Scripture that will help you in ministering to the Muslims who are depending on Ishmael, the relationship to Ishmael as the inheritors of the promise, which is a false belief. So Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 through 22, and Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. If you could write that on the margins of your Bible next to Galatians 4.30, it will help you. So again, Galatians 4.30 says this, The slave woman's son, Ishmael son of Hagar, will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son, who is Isaac son of Sarah. Even both boy, even though both boys were born to Abraham, only one would be the son of promise and his name is Isaac in Genesis chapter 17 which is which is the scripture I just referred to Genesis chapter 17 verses 18 through 22 it says this and Abraham said to God if only Ishmael might live under your blessing then God said yes but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant For his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. Which we read about last week or I showed you last week. Ishmael has become 22 nations that today make up the Arab League of Nations that are very powerful, very rich. They control all the oil, uh, the majority of the oil around the world. And so God has kept his promise to Ishmael. However, verse 21 is key. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. 
And the second scripture that I refer to, to write down on the margin next to Galatians chapter 4, verse 30, was Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. And again, I want to read it again. Remember, Abraham had two sons, but in this section of scripture, he only mentions Isaac. And he says about Isaac, he mentions that he is, he mentions your only son to Abraham. Even though he had, Abraham had two sons, God specifically mentions only Isaac as, as Isaac's only son. Listen to what it says here, how many times he says your only son. Let me read it. Sometime later, starting in verse 1 of Genesis 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and then he mentions who he is, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. I mean, this is very sad. This is very harsh. This is very difficult, but this is almost like a punch in the gut to those who are relying on Ishmael for their promise. It says here, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, this is important here, verse 16, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make you your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. So according to God Almighty, Isaac was the only legitimate son of Abraham because Isaac was a son of divine promise. Isaac was a son of the covenant promise by God. Ishmael is blessed. 
Today, as I said before, they have become 22 nations known as the Arab League of Nations. But Ishmael was born of the flesh. God recognizes only Isaac and those who are associated with Isaac as heirs to the Abrahamic promise. Only those who are associated with Isaac are true sons of Abraham. That's why Galatians chapter 4, verse 28 says this. Now you, brothers and sisters, speaking to us as Christians. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. Because we belong to Christ, because Christ follows in the lineage of Isaac, because we belong to the Lord, you and I who are in Christ are now children of promise. The same thing is repeated again in Galatians chapter 4, verse 31. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Because of Christ, we are associated with Isaac, and we are members of the promise. And of course, we can trace back the lineage of Jesus Christ to Isaac, and therefore those of us who are in Christ have been adopted into the family of God in and through Christ. You and I who are in Christ today are children of promise. But for all the ancestors of Ishmael, there is hope. There is hope for all the Muslims of the world. But it is not in Ishmael, and it is not in Muhammad. All of the ancestors of Ishmael, as well as all of those who are Muslims, can receive salvation today. They can receive eternal life today. All they have to do is to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the true Messiah and not Muhammad. That's how you came to Christ. That's how I came to Christ. We humbled ourselves before God. We acknowledged that Jesus Christ was Lord. He became our King, our Savior. He forgave us. We're on our way to heaven. We became children of God, children of promise, associated through Isaac and sons of Abraham. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Can you say amen? For the Buddhist. There is hope, salvation, and eternal life. All they have to do is acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and not Buddha. For the Krishna, there is hope, salvation, and eternal life. All they have to do is acknowledge that Jesus Christ is a true Messiah and not Krishna. For the Hindu, there is hope, salvation, and eternal life. All they have to do is acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. There is hope for the atheist, for the agnostic, for the rich, for the poor, for the educated, the uneducated, male or female. The cross is open to all. The cross is open to everyone. Acts 16.31 says this. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your Household. Acts 15 verse 11. But we believe that through grace, through the grace of our, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven. No other name under heaven. Only Jesus. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We all have to go in through the same door. We all have to go in through the same way because there's only one way and
and his name is Jesus. Romans 10, 13. For whoever or whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord or calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever means everyone. Muslim, Krishna, Hindu, Buddha, atheist, agnostic. It doesn't matter. Whoever means whoever. Just name and cry out to Jesus. Humble yourself and cry out to Jesus and you will receive salvation. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't know about you, but I thank God that I'm not on my way to hell. I am on my way to heaven, and it's because of Jesus. And you should be celebrating that reality also. So let's move on to the next section of Scripture found in Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened against again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Here the Apostle Paul is pleading with the Galatians to remain free from the requirements of the law by staying faithful to Christ. Hagar and Ishmael represent slavery and bondage and captivity. Hagar and Ishmael represent striving to please God and earn salvation through works of the law, which is impossible. It is in the flesh. It is in the strength or ability of man and not God. People have tried it over and over and over again. You cannot live a perfectly pure and righteous life. That's why Jesus came. On the other hand, Sarah and Isaac represent divine promise, divine faith, and life even after being declared death. Remember, uh, Abraham was 100 years old, and, uh, and Sarah was 90 years old. It even says in the Bible, way past childbearing age, her womb was dead. But because of divine promise, there was life in that womb even after it was declared death. Jesus Christ represents freedom from the requirements of the law and eternal life. And so this opening line in Galatians chapter five, verse one is very powerful. NIV says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. But I like the way it reads in the King James, new King James version. It says this in the new King James, which I like, it says this stand fast. Therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. How many of you would agree that freedom is a very precious commodity? Would you say amen to that? Can you say amen, church? I mean, freedom is very, very precious, very special. As a matter of fact, we live in the United States of America. And this is a nation that represents freedom. It is a land of the free. Now, I know that the world is still recovering from this coronavirus pandemic. 
And sadly, this has resulted in many of our freedoms, even as Americans, many of our freedoms have been taken away or limited or negatively affected in some way. Uh, you know, it, it was when this whole thing started, I mean, just think about it. The NBA season was shut down and the ba- baseball season was shut down and the Basketball season and football season was back shut down. Restaurants were shut down. Airports were shut down. Schools were shut down. Our courts were shut down. Even our churches were getting shut down. And funerals uh, were getting shut down. And we had to wear all these masks. And we couldn't visit people in the hospital. And there was all kinds of social distancing. But you know what was the worst? The worst thing out of the whole pandemic? The worst violation of our of our civil rights and of our freedom. Who can tell me, what do you think was the, the greatest violation of our freedom? Who wants to give me a shout out? What do you think? Yes, we're in the back. You're getting too spiritual on me. Anybody else? Yes, Saul. Keeping us inside, you're getting too spiritual. Yes, Vanessa. No. The toilet paper. They took away our toilet paper. That was the biggest violation of the whole pandemic. The irritation that was caused because they took away our toilet paper. I had to go back to the days when my family lived in Mexico and they used the newspaper for toilet paper. That was the greatest violation of our freedom. But in all all seriousness, church... When it got really bad was when the governor said, you can no longer worship God in church. I mean, when he said that, that went way and beyond what was acceptable. It was very, very sad when that happened. So again, how many of you would agree that freedom, now we know how important freedom is. How many of you look forward to that day when we don't have to wear these masks anymore? Can you say amen? I mean, this is crazy. But under normal circumstances, if things were normal, church, we as Americans, we are free to travel. We are free to educate ourselves and achieve and be successful. We are free to worship wherever we want. We are free to eat indoors at a restaurant. We are free to go to a basketball game or a football game or a baseball game. We are free to visit a loved one in the hospital. We are free to have a party in Burns Hall with lots of people in attendance. We are free to live life and go places without a mask. Freedom is very important in galatians chapter 5 verse 1 new king james version it says this it it, it mentions another word that's important let me read it again galatians chapter 5 verse 1 it mentions another word that is important stand fast therefore in the liberty by which christ has made us free galatians 5 1 also mentions the word liberty now liberty is also very important we have the statue of liberty we have the liberty bell we sing the song my country tis of thee sweet land of liberty of thee i sing when we say the pledge of allegiance we say i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all freedom and liberty are two very powerful words and describe and symbolize what our great nation is all about at the same time 
we need to remember that someone had to pay a price for our freedom and for our liberty. That's why every year we celebrate Veterans Day. Every year we celebrate Memorial Day. Every year we celebrate Independence Day. Listen, a lot of people gave up their lives and lost their blood on that before that Independence Day, before the United States became a nation. A lot of people died and sacrificed their life and gave their blood for this country to be a country. These are days where we say thank you to all those who have served our great country and have given their blood and their lives for the freedom and liberty that we have today. Well, these same principles of freedom and liberty apply to us spiritually. As Christians, we celebrate Jesus Christ. We honor Jesus Christ. We praise and give glory to Jesus Christ because we owe our salvation and freedom and liberty to him. We, he paid the ultimate price and made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins on the cross. He died on the cross. He gave his body and blood on the cross. He gave his life so that we might be free, so that we would have, so that we could be liberated. Let me read Galatians 5 1 again. New King James Version. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. We sing that song. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm singing glory. Hallelujah. Jesus set me free. And if Albert was here, which he's not, Albert, I don't know if you're watching, but you should be in church right now. I would have called you up here so that you could lead us in this song because I like when he breaks off and he says, once I was on a wino, but Jesus set me free. Once I was a drug addict, but Jesus set me free. Once I was a con artist, but Jesus set me free. Once I was a cheater, but Jesus set me free. And even if you were normal and a law-abiding citizen, it doesn't matter. You were a sinner and you were on your way to hell. But thank God for that day that Jesus set you free, my friend. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen, church, the only, there is only one way for a soul to be set free. There is only one way for slaves of sin to receive freedom. There is only one way for those who are being held captive to experience liberty. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way, and Jesus is that one way. There is no other way to God. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Romans 8, verses 1 through 3, therefore there is now no condemnation. This is NIV. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you tonight are in Christ Jesus. Can you shout hallelujah before we leave here tonight? If you're in Christ Jesus, you are a child of promise through Abraham. You are a child of Abraham through Christ. 
Therefore, there is now no condemnations for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. So as Christians, we celebrate our freedom in Christ every day. We celebrate our liberty in Christ every day. We celebrate our salvation through Christ every day. And there's a second part to Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. But we'll get to that next week. Right now, let's pray. And let's just be thankful that we are free and that we are liberated because of Christ here tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we bring this service to a close, Lord, the Holy Spirit reminds us that a price was paid for our freedom. A price was paid for our liberty. A price was paid for our salvation. A price was paid so that we could be called children of promise and sons of Abraham through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're listening to me right now and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die tonight or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If you're not sure, something's wrong. The Bible specifically says these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know without any doubt that you are a child of God, that you are forgiven, that you are on your way to heaven, that you belong to him. And if you don't have that assurance in your heart, something is wrong. And that is not a good place to be. So if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus right now, he's the only way. There's no other way. There's no other religion. There's no other faith. There's no other book. Yahweh is the true and living God. So if you're ready to receive Jesus, say this prayer of repentance with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you And I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth as a sacrifice for my sins and my rebellion and my disobedience. Tonight, I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Krishnas, criminals, murderers, educated, uneducated, popular, unpopular. I receive tonight the free gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins. I believe, Jesus, that you came to this earth, that you died, and on the third day, You rose from the grave and that you're going to come back real soon to take me home with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for being here tonight. If you need prayer, personal ministry, please feel free to come on up. We will pray with you tonight. God bless you.
Thank you, Jesus.